0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The fifth Sunday after Easter is called Rogation Sunday and the next three days before ascension are called Rogation Days. The word Rogation comes from a Latin word that means to ask or to pray. As Jesus returns to the Father, we focus on the privilege and power we have TO PRAY IN HIS NAME. AS JESUS SAID IN THE GOSPEL, WHATEVER YOU ASK THE FATHER IN MY NAME, HE WILL GIVE YOU. ASK, AND YOU WILL RECEIVE, THAT YOUR JOY MAY BE FULL. THE EPISTLE FOCUSES ON BEHAVIOR RATHER THAN PRAYER. ST. JAMES WRITES, QUOTE, IF ANYONE IS A HEARER OF THE WORD AND NOT A DOER, He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, not being a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his his deed. What James says will convict most of us on some level, for we are all at times forgetful hearers. We come to Jesus in our prayer, we hear the word of God and we say amen, and then we go back out into the world and somehow our behavior does not quite rise to the level of the word that we heard. Why do we do this? One reason is that the world, the flesh, and the devil tempt us to act unfaithfully. Our transition from prayer to life in the world here mirrors the pattern of the transition Jesus had from his baptism to his temptation. In his baptism, the voice of the Father was heard to say, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, as the Spirit descended upon him. But then immediately, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested, to have that identity proved, as it were. We receive our new identity in baptism and we renew our identity. We remember who we are every time we come to God in our prayer. And then we are led by the Spirit out into the world to have that identity tested. And these Tests sometimes pull us away from Christ. We grow into our Christian identity over time as we continue in our prayer and in God's word. And some measure of behavioral failure is part of the process of our growth. We acknowledge as much every week when we say the confession as we approach the altar. We acknowledge that last week was not all it should have been as we come again. We grow as we come to see more clearly how sin promises us a fulfillment that it does not deliver. We grow in our desire to do the will of God. And as we continue in our prayer, we become stronger in Christ. In the spirit stronger to resist the pull of temptation we increasingly become doers of the word and not hearers only we also become forgetful hearers when we have an unresolved past we all carry with us deeply embedded emotional patterns that come from past relationships and experiences. These patterns include deep anxiety that is triggered by certain circumstances, a difficulty in trusting God because those who represented him to us in the past were not trustworthy, anger and resentment over past mistreatment, and denial, a tendency to pretend everything is okay when clearly it is not. Our unresolved past creates a secret hidden identity that acts out in unfaithful ways. We retain these hidden identities because the gospel has not yet touched these areas of our lives. And we need to forgive other people to resolve these inherited patterns. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Our own forgiveness is linked to our forgiveness of others. This is true in part because our failure to forgive others keeps us stuck in vengeful and victimized patterns of behavior. Forgiving others makes us free from them. To forgive other people, we must acknowledge our pain. We cannot deny what we have experienced and also forgive those who hurt us. To forgive those who hurt us does not even require that those who hurt us intended to hurt us. If someone throws a rock and intends for it to go into the water, but it hits us in the head instead, it still hurts, even though they did not intend to hurt us. The key to forgiving other people is learning to trust in the sovereignty of God. The central gospel message is that Jesus is Lord. He is in control of everything, even our past. This is the foundation for teachings like Romans 8.28. Quote, in everything, God works for good with those who love him, with those who are called according to his purpose. God, according to the biblical pattern, is bringing his new creation out of the chaos of our lives. As Joseph said to his brothers, quote, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Trust is the best synonym for faith. We are saved by faith, which means that we are saved by trusting God. Trusting in his power, trusting in the good he has for us trusting that he is changing us into new and glorious creatures, trusting that everything that has happened in our lives will be redeemed by him for good. Too often in our time, the gospel has been reduced to a mechanism for having our sins forgiven in a legal sense so that God won't punish us and we can get to a future place called heaven. This limited understanding creates a non-transformative practice of the faith. To accept the gospel means to trust that Jesus is Lord and to apply that truth to every area of our lives, including our past. To put our trust in Jesus means to live in his new story. The brutal execution of the Son of God is the means of our salvation. This is the thing we proclaim every week at the altar of God. Following this pattern, the bad things that have happened to us are used by God as a means of our sanctification. To embrace the gospel, to trust Jesus, means to trust that Jesus is Lord and to accept the good that God is giving us in our real lives right now rather than holding on to the good we wanted but did not get in the past. When we do not trust that Jesus is Lord and is in control of everything, we become forgetful hearers. We hold on to hidden past identities that are triggered in our lives and cause us to act out in unfaithful ways. We try to control things rather than trusting Christ and surrendering our lives to him. We become victims of the past rather than sons and daughters of God in the present. We become vengeful seeking to make others pay or we remain captive to emotional impulses connected to past pain. The perfect law of liberty that James speaks of is not just a list of moral rules that we must obey to avoid being hypocrites. The perfect law of liberty is the truth that Jesus is Lord. It leads to the corresponding truths that our sins are forgiven and that we can forgive. We can let go of the patterns of human sin that enslave us. We can live in the kingdom of God right now. This is what we are working on in the life of prayer. As we come to the altar of God, to look into the perfect law of liberty, we are growing into the new identity that God has given us. Our work in the life of prayer is to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. We must ask him to help us let go of our anger and regret. We must ask him to heal our wounds, to replace the pain we have experienced with a new experience of his grace so that we can practice new behavior rooted in our new experience of his love and not in our past experiences of pain. As we persevere in our prayer. As we practice trusting God, we grow in our ability to trust. The grace that comes to us through prayer enables us to trust rather than to control. To let go of our secret hidden identities and embrace our new identity as children of God. God is able to do in us through our prayer what we are unable to do, by our own unaided efforts this inner transformation is the true power of prayer that jesus promised to us as jesus said whatever you ask the father in my name he will give you ask and you will receive that your joy may be full in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost Amen.